0: This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today, we are beginning relationships round one. Round one. I say that because it sounds like a fight, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, shooting straight. No, here's... You can view it one of two ways. You can view it the negative way. Oh man, he's, he's saying it's like a fight. Like we're fighting. Or you, can, or you can view it in the spiritual way of if you're going to have a good, biblical, godly, solid relationship as a husband and wife, it's going to take some fight. It's going to take some fight. We're going to talk about children and parents, uh, mothers and dads and children. We're going to talk about employees, employers. We're going to talk about these different things in this mini-series in the book of Ephesians on relationships. This is round one. Just to break the ice a little bit, I am not a perfect husband. Where's my wife? Go ahead. Say it. Say amen. Amen. There you go. My wife is not a perfect wife. I'm not saying amen to that. But I want you to understand the heart. I don't come to you today um, thinking that I'm the answer man. I don't come to you today out of a spirit of pride. I don't come to you today, uh, I'm not not taking this passage and going, okay, here's what it says, now let me talk about some practical steps that I think you ought to do to help your marriage. That's not what we're doing today. You'll understand that as we go through it. Uh, But just to break the ice, nobody has a perfect marriage. And I can prove it to you. Okay, I'm just going to show a couple pictures, and you're going to see them. And when you see those pictures, you're going to know that nobody has a perfect marriage. You got them, Justin? Here we go, first one. All right. Everybody, can you see that? All right. Let's, let's be honest. How many of you are the top? Sarah, raise your hand. All right. How many of you are the top? You just squeeze that toothpaste anywhere. It don't matter. All right. Put your hands down. All you unsaved unbelievers. How many of you are the bottom? How many of the, there we go. That's my like OCD, like clean. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm the bottom. So every relationship's not perfect because my wife is the top and her husband is the bottom and we share the same tube. Maybe that's the answer. Guys, here we go. Listen, I'm going to shut my Bible. Here's how your marriage can make it by two different tubes of toothpaste, man, all this time we've been fighting and that was it guys. That's my spiritual truth of the day. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll go. Don't amen that. I'm just kidding. All right. In case this one didn't get you in your marriage, here's another one. Oh, oh. Now this one's obvious. It better be. How many of you are under people? Raise your hand. Don't lie. There's a couple of men. No, 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 no. Not every man. I heard that stereotype. How many of you are? How many of you are under? People? Raise your hand if you're under. You put it under. Go ahead. It's okay. We only got one day, man. Hey. Standing alone. How many of you are over people? Okay. But I'm about to take it a step. We're about to get deep right here. Y'all get ready. I'm about, we're about to have the counselors come down to pray with people. Speaking of toilet paper. low, Oh. Oh. How many of you are this person? <laughs> yes. Guys, we're about to have revival. We're about to have revival, about to shut it down. We're about to start praying. You know, I need the guitars to come back up. We're going to start. Man, let me tell you something. Yeah, it's true. Help and help written on the... (laughs) I've never been in this situation before, but I'm assuming people get in the situation where they're maybe over at a friend's house and, and there's nothing there and you have to do the... Hey, get a little help in here. Uh, I've never been there, and I hope I never am. So uh, don't y'all be playing tricks on me when I come to your house for Connectory, bring. Debbie, Steve, y'all, Johnny, y'all watch out. Don't be doing that to me. But uh, hey, listen, that, uh, make a little light of it today. But at the end of the day, two human beings that have sinful natures live in the same house together. You're going to disagree. And you're going to disagree and not even realize it. Like, you're not even trying to disagree, you just are. I disagree with myself about 75% of the time. Well, you you just disagree. Um, No marriage is perfect. If you are in here today and you're thinking in your head, man, we're struggling. Well, then guess what? Look around you because you're in a room full of people that are struggling. If anybody has a perfect marriage, they are lying to you. They are lying to you. Um, Marriage is hard. and, And Let me just caveat this. If you are not yet married, you are single. I think all of the married people in here would amen. Now is when you need to hear the biblical teaching on it. Before you get married. Before you get married. Because I know way too many people that don't learn and they don't soak this in. And then they get married and then three years later they start looking for help. Or three years later they're beyond help. So if you're not married today, take that as a praise the Lord. We're going to talk through what the Bible says in maybe more ways than one. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But we're going to talk through what the Bible says about the husband and the wife relationship. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 is where we'll be this morning. If you have your Bible, please turn there. Um, If you do not have your Bible and you have a Bible app, please turn there. And if you have neither one, uh, you can look on the screen. We've got the words for you. Our passage beginning in verse 22 of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he may, might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, and cherishes it just as the lord does the church for we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this is a great mystery amen right can we say it paul now paul was single y'all know that right paul was single that doesn't discredit what you're saying. This is all inspired by the, by, the, uh, by the Holy Spirit. But I love that Paul gives all this marriage stuff and he goes, this is a great mystery. But he says in verse 32, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she res- respects her husband. Heavenly Father, speak to us today through your word. God, remove, uh, remove anything that I want to say from the equation today. God, I pray that everything that's said today is intentionally said because your Holy Spirit is leading and guiding the conversation. God, I pray that your word would be magnified today, the truths from your word, the principles from your word. And God, today I don't know what people are going through. God, I've not had anybody come to me and say, you know, Can you please preach on marriage? Because we really need to hear it. God, you know the the way we do things. It's just the next verse. It's just the next passage. But God, I pray today that maybe this was right on time for somebody. God, I pray that we learn from your word. We're transformed by your word and through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one this morning, I'm jumping right in. Number one, I want us to see marriage in light of the gospel. Marriage in light... Of the gospel. I want you to say this word with me because this word is one of the most important words when you are handling your Bible. That is the word context. Can you say that word with me out loud? You ready? Context. Say it one more time. Context. False religions oftentimes come about by taking a verse or sometimes a group of verses and pulling them out of their context and creating a belief system on those pulled out verses in order to present a truth that if you were to put it back in context would not be the truth. Was that Did I confuse anybody with that? Alright, cool. I hope you got it. We must study our Bibles within context. And so every time that we open Scripture, we need to understand, hey, who wrote this? Who wrote it? Who were they writing this to? When did this happen? Where were they? Where does this fall in chronological order? What just happened historically? What's about to happen? Okay, all of these things we must understand as we approach every passage of Scripture Verse 32 in our text says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul explains to us that all of these verses, verse 22 down through verse 31, were written to the church at Ephesus and written in the context of explaining the way the church believers are supposed to relate to Jesus, their Savior. And Paul uses the example of a husband and wife. Okay, Now he's about to also use an example of children and mom and dad and employee and employer. But Paul's overwhelming context here is I'm trying to give you some illustrations of how believers are to be with their Heavenly Father, with their Savior. And that is the context specifically of these verses a greater context and tim did a great job the last couple of weeks explaining this but the greater context as we know began in chapter 4 and verse 1 where we began talking about living practically walking worthy we started talking about that in chapter 4 it began again just a couple of few weeks ago we when we said like father like son Be ye imitators of God. That is the, we're bringing the context down now. We want to walk worthy. We want to be imitators of God. But then we found in verse 18 of this chapter, we found another contextual truth. And this is how you live a spirit-filled life. Walk in the Spirit. This is stemming, and we must take all of this into consideration as we take the greater context. Paul is explaining our relationship with Christ, the church in Christ. We are walking worthy. We are imitators of God. This is what the spirit-filled life looks like. This is where we are, okay? So everybody got the context? I know it was a little teachy and not so much preachy, but does everybody understand how we got to now where we are? We must understand and we must take all of these into consideration as Paul now talks about the relationship of the husband and the wife. He's using this as an example of Christ and his church. How are we supposed to walk as imitators or followers of God? How are we supposed to walk uh, as a spirit-filled believer? Today, we are going to directly address the wives and the husbands. And we will, because Paul used this on purpose. But lest you think this is a hobby horse sermon or even that Paul's spirit was somehow not right, the overall context is, how do we live a spirit-filled life? How do we live as Christians? And we must understand that. Um, This is just one area that we must live. Number two this morning, y'all, that's quick, isn't it? Here we go. Number two, a spirit-filled wife. Remember, we're talking about living in the Spirit. And we're going to talk about a Spirit filled wife. Verse 22 look at it, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. God is a God of order. We believe that God created. And while there are some uh, variations of what people believe about the specifics of that, if you're a believer in Scripture, then you believe in the beginning God created. Genesis 1-1, that's the way the book starts out. And we can debate the, the details about that, and that's completely fine. And if you land at a different spot than I land on that, that is completely fine. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to understand that God is a God of order. And the fact that this morning it was raining cats and dogs at 9.45, 9.30. And now by the time we get out, it's going to be at least 10 degrees warmer than when you walked in today. Praise Jesus. God is a God of order somehow. The weather. The fact that we are right now rotating. We, are, we can't feel it. We're rotating and gravity is helping keep us where we're at. And we're not just shooting off into space somewhere randomly. God is a God of order. And I'm not here, I'm not, a, I'm not a creation teacher this morning. But let me just say this. It, ta- it takes a lot less faith to believe that in the beginning God created, in my opinion, than it does to believe that millions of years ago some molecules came together and bang, this all started. And here we are as fully developed human beings that can speak to one another and talk and feel and build houses and create the internet. And all because millions of years ago some specs came together and boom takes a whole lot less faith to say, in the beginning, God. However, God is a God of order. And husbands and wives are given in order. As another example of God having an order. Even dating back to the original creation of Adam and Eve. I can't explain that. I'm not sure why God created Adam before he created Eve. I have no idea. All I know is this. Adam by himself... Couldn't make it. Men, right there is when you say, amen. You ready? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Guys, you're going to get some bonus points today. All right. At the end of the day, Adam couldn't make it by himself. I'm going to say it one more time. i thought a couple of you. Wives, get your elbows ready. All right. At the end of the day, Adam couldn't make it by himself. Men? All right. There we go. Ladies, he's, he's, he's sweet. He still is sweet. I promise. That man you married, he's, still, he's not gone crazy yet, I promise. But all the way back there, and I lo- but I love this, and you'll understand this in context. I love that when God knew that Adam needed a helper, he did not, he put Adam to sleep. He did not make Eve from the head of Adam, pulling a part of his head or his brain so that she would lord over Adam. But he also didn't take a bone out of Adam's foot so that Adam would lord over her. You know what he took? He took a rib out of Adam's side, signifying that man would have a woman to come alongside him to help him in many ways. To help him, and we, we could talk about all those all morning, and we're not going to. But it's a beautiful thing to see that, yes, God created Adam first, and I don't, there's, that's just the way it was. But Adam couldn't make it on his own. And God created Eve out of his side, out of his rib, to come along beside him and to be a helper. Is Paul then saying here that wives are to submit to their own husbands because somehow they are inferior to their husbands? Of course not. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3 tells us that wives are worthy of honor. Honor. They are honored and cherished. The definition of this word submit this morning is simple. It is this. is to to arrange under, to subject oneself to, or to yield to one's admonition or advice. To arrange under, to subject oneself to, to yield to one's admonition or advice. I actually enjoy it when Scripture somewhat tells you what the word means anyway. Verse 22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Uh, but verse 24 says, therefore, just as the church is subject to, the, to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands. I want to give you a biblical illustration where the same word, the original language, where the same word is used in another portion of scripture. Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 uh, simply says this. Then he, this is Jesus, then Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. If we wanted to use the same word, we would say, Then Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and submitted to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. You remember where we are in Luke chapter 2? Jesus has been born at the beginning of the chapter. We have a little bit of a break and we're not sure exactly what's going on, but he's 12 years old. And his parents leave after coming into town. Uh, for business, for political things. They are leaving to go back out of town, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. You know where he's at? He's in the temple. You know what he's doing? He's fielding questions. He's answering people. He's asking questions. He's wowing the religious crowd as a 12-year-old. As a 12-year-old boy, he is wowing the religious crowd. In fact, this is the first physical Uh, experience that people are going to have of Jesus being God here's his first of like I'm 12 years old and you're you're a professor and I am stumping you I'm asking you questions that you can answer I'm answering the questions that you ask me this is Jesus showing who he really was for the first time even the greatest of scholars were amazed by him at 12 years old Here's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Here he is confounding the wise of the day, revealing his knowledge and wisdom of Scripture. But he put himself in submission to his sinful, earthly father and mother. Was that somehow saying that Jesus was inferior to his father and mother? Answer that. No. Is that somehow insinuating that his father and mother held more value than Jesus did? No. That is saying that in the context of his family, he as a 12-year-old boy, no matter who he was, was to submit to his parents. By the way, parents, we're going to get there. Children, we might have the kids in there. No, I don't know if I'm going to do that. We might though. bring the kids in for, for that Sunday. We're going to get there. It might be next week if I get through all this. But at the end of the day, I think we understand that this did not mean that Jesus was somehow inferior to his earthly parents. It meant that this was the example of a biblical order of a family. And 12-year-old boys are supposed to submit to their parents. Amen. like I said, we're going to get there. That's not what this is about. But 12-year-old boys are supposed to submit to their parents. Hey, Josh and Sarah, 8-year-old and 10-year-old girls are supposed to submit to their parents. That's a biblical principle. We're, if y'all don't like I hope y'all come back. If y'all don't like that, come back for Ephesians 6.1. Just get ready. It's true, it's in, the, it's in the Bible. I'm looking at it right there. I'm not going to go there. Generally speaking, though, God has given us an order. And I will say this, I'm going to have to broad brush just a little bit. I understand that in every situation, there are some unique aspects. I understand that sometimes... Mothers are the father and the mother. I understand that sometimes fathers are the father and the mother. I understand that due to circumstances, uh, splitting up, divorce, maybe having a child before you're married and never getting married, whatever it may be, that there are situations where this is nuanced. Okay, but the Bible, okay, lest we are the people that say, well, show me the chapter and verse, you know the Bible can't, deal with every single little nuanced situation that happens in 2019. Like, the Bible speaks a lot of times in somewhat generalities, and these are general truths that 99% of the time hold fast. And there are those times where a mom has to be dad. I understand. There are times when a father has to perform the role of both the father and the mother, and that is completely understandable. So please allow me, as Paul did today, to somewhat broad brush this. I also understand that it's 2019. I also understand the way culture is cramming marriage down our throats in light of society. I understand that, that, and by the way, since we're there, since we're there, Paul addresses the subject of marriage here, and you know who he addresses? A husband and a, a wife. In case you wondered where our church stands on this. He addresses marriage every time in the Bible. He addresses marriage as a man and a woman. And we will never, we will never, we will never, we will never bend on that. We believe in biblical marriage. That does not mean that we hate anyone that disagrees with that. That does not mean we think anyone else is living in any different sin than someone else. All sin is sin, sin is sin, sin is sin. But if you're asking me, what does the Bible say about marriage? The Bible says that a man will take a woman to be his wife. That's just what the Bible says. And I will never, ever apologize about it. But I also am not going to cram it down someone's throat. But that's what the Bible says. In fact, if anybody wants to push me on it, I'll just open the Bible to the five or six different places where the Bible talks about it. And don't get mad at me, get mad at the Bible, and we'll move on. And we'll move on. I understand where our society is, I understand what our culture is, I understand that everybody says, you know, this is what I think about marriage, this is what it should be, or uh, there's a lot of things I could say that I won't say this morning. But I also understand that the creator God of the universe has a plan. And he wrote that plan down in a written, his written word of God. And that order is that a loving, caring, submissive wife should submit to her loving, biblical, caring husband. Here's a quote maybe you can think on or write down. A spirit-filled wife is a wife who is committed to her husband in submission. I will not apologize for that statement. That statement is a biblical statement. A spirit-filled wife is a wife who is committed to her husband in submission. So let's be, let's, let's be for real. Wives, do you struggle with that? I, I think everybody could say to a certain degree, we all struggle to submit. I've told you, I've got this like, inner rebel inside of me. If they say, do not touch this speaker right here, like when y'all ain't looking, I'm going to be like, Boop, and I'm going to pull my foot back off. That's just like my, that's my flesh. Okay. So we all struggle with submission. You know, anyway, I can give you guys examples. I'm, I think I'm the only guy that complains at Disney, but I complain at Disney sometimes because I struggle submitting to what they want me to do. I'm just going to be honest. I don't want to stand in that line. Anyway, they frown on you cutting lines and stuff, I guess. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But wives, do you struggle with that? Have you allowed culture to dictate your newly found paradigm that you view marriage in? By the way, this has nothing to do with uh, a wife working uh, or not working. Stay-at-home mom versus a working wife. This has nothing to do with uh, the wife um, uh, maybe working part-time or bringing home a lot of money or bringing home no money. This has nothing to do with finances. This has nothing to do with, with, with anything other than God had a designed order and, and wives are to submit to loving husbands. And I would submit to you or tell you this morning that Scripture says that you are to submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. So I would say this morning that you cannot fully be in submission to the Lord without being in biblical submission to your husband. And I'm not here to beat up on wives. I'm here to say, God has an order. Don't worry, wives, you have made it through. Okay, because it's on to number three. And this is tougher, shooting straight. It's so easy to say, Wives submit, and I'll be honest with you. If I was some wives that I know, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm submitting to that, to this guy that I married." And I'm not making any. This, I'm not making any jokes here. Oh, you mean I'm submitting to that to that guy, the most unChrist-like man? I'm not even in my notes yet, guys. Number three is a spirit-filled husband. We can go ahead and put that up there. I'm just. This is just. This is for real. There are a lot of wives out there who probably would love to submit to a godly, biblical husband. And I can talk because I'm a man and we've been married for 13 plus years and I've had good good years and bad years, good days and bad days, good months and bad months. We've had ups and downs. Our marriage has not been, uh, you know, uh, uh, fairies and, and, you know, and, and, and pinwheels. Like it's not been balloons and parties. There's been times we've struggled there have been times when my wife could probably say, you, you mean I'm supposed to submit to you? Right, right now, for real? So guys, we're going to talk. Because the Bible talks and it's strong, man. It's strong. I, it is a lot stronger than it was in these previous three verses that we just talked about. And by the way, I believe that wives should submit to their husbands. And I believe, wives, just so, just so you're, we're very clear... I believe that you should show this pattern of submission even if your husband does not show the pattern of love that we're about to talk about. Okay, I, I believe that. I believe within bounds of scripture and things, I think there are some, some abusive things and some areas where you need to step out. I understand. But gen- once again, generally speaking, wives, you need to, you need, and I believe that. Submission is needed. But husbands, let's be for real. Don't we all want to be husbands worthy of our wives' respect? Worthy of our wives' submission? Let's read it. Let's look what the Bible says here. Look at verse 25 in our text. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy And without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. By the way, your own wife. That's not somebody else's wife. You're to love your own wife. Sorry. You're to love his own wife as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh. But nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body. Of his flesh. And of his bones. Men, in case you thought you were getting out of this text, easy. I want to apologize to you because it's not. What we just unpacked in those verses means, uh, means a whole lot more than what we unpacked when we were talking to the wives. We need to pump the brakes and pump them hard. Because husbands, men, we are given a seemingly impossible task. And one that I'll be straight with you. I fear that we have taken a little bit carelessly or flippantly in our lives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. How in the world are we supposed to do that? I'm supposed to love like Jesus? how it is impossible it's an impossible task but just because the task is impossible does not mean the task should be ignored there are many tasks given in the bible that are impossible tasks okay there are many of them that doesn't mean they should be ignored it's like saying hey i know i'm never going to break the world record for running a, a 5k so i'm just not going to ever run one." Oh, that's dumb Hey, I know I'm never going to be the greatest golfer in the world, so I'm just not going to play Saturday. Hey, I know I'm never going to be fill in the blank, so I'm just not going to... No, that's, that's ignorant. That's ignorant. We have an impossible, ta- impossible task lying ahead of us. And the only way that this task can even begin to be accomplished in our lives is that we are filled with with the Spirit. Remember, this is in context with verse 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The only way that we can accomplish this Christ-like love in our families when we're loving our wives or as we're preparing maybe in dating or engagement to love our wives or maybe as we're single and looking forward to that day if God so provides that, that, that we're in this position. It can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, living through us. Hey listen, in my flesh, I don't come close to this, what we're about to talk about. Hey, in my flesh, I'm I'm so far removed from being a spirit-filled, loving husband. Listen, in my flesh, I'm a selfish jerk. In my flesh, I care about me and me only. In my flesh, I will take care of myself and no one else. In my flesh, we can only begin to accomplish this when we begin to relinquish our flesh and we begin to take on that new nature and the Holy Spirit's power, living through us, What does a spirit-filled love from a husband look like? Let's look at the text. It is an unselfish love. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Men, your life is no longer just about you anymore. And you say, Josh, listen, I've been married for, uh, for, for, for many years now. I don't need, you know what, I think sometimes those that have been married for many years get so caught in the mundane, just another year, just another year, just another year, Just but we, we don't get back to biblical living. And we justify our longevity in marriage with being a Christ-like husband. It's no longer about you. It's about Her. Just as Jesus came to this earth, not for himself. He didn't come and die on the cross for him. No, he came and gave because it was about us. It was about his church and his bride. Ultimately, we know us for the glory of God. But he came for others. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He came to feed the, 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 the hungry. He came to clothe the naked. He, claimed to give, he came to give life to the dead. He came for others. And husbands, we are to have an unselfish love. We are called as spirit-filled husbands to give ourselves unselfishly for our wives. And I would say this, even if that means ultimately giving our lives for our spouse. Husbands, we are called to a supernatural, Christ-centered love for our wives. No, sir, it's not about your needs anymore. It's about her needs it's not about what is best for you it's about what is best for her it's not about creating the best case scenario for you it's about creating the best case scenario for her a spirit-filled Jesus mimicking Christ honoring love as an unselfish love and man if I can be if I can be real this is probably the most difficult There's a, there is a, um, a trend and this this trend is not all bad, but there's a trend. I believe that we can abuse and that is the trend of self care. And please hear me out and don't, don't jump to conclusions. I believe many people need to take care of themselves. You cannot take care of other people until you can't take care of yourself. I'm a firm believer in that. That's why my, honestly, that's why my family and I, uh, schedule vacations. And I told you last week, we will never apologize for that. We're going back to Disney. Heads up. All right. Uh, uh, like that's, we will do that because we do want to take care of ourselves so that we can continue to minister and serve and love. But I think sometimes as men, we can take that self-care thing and be like, oh, that means, that justifies my selfishness. I, th- I went there. and, I'm, I'm, and I don't, Once again, I am not saying that we don't need to take care of ourselves individually. Some men probably need to take care of themselves a little bit more. But we don't need to take that as a crutch and then become even more selfish. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Your uh, your rounds on the golf course should not so far outweigh your date nights with your wife. Let's be real. And I love golfing. If y'all want to go, it's going to get warmer. Let's do it. I love it. But at the end of the day, that should not monopolize my time because I'm not selfish. My sports or my hobbies or, or what my hunting. Y'all ain't got to worry about that. I'm not a hunter. But whatever my hobbies might be, that should never monopolize my time. Because it's no longer about me, it's about her. Men, God is calling us into a love that is Christ-like, it is spirit-filled, and it is unselfish. I told y'all it's going to be harder on the men. Wives, you got one thing to do. Just submit to this, this man who loves you unselfishly. Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, submit to this man that loves you unselfishly. Let's look at what what else it says about the love that this spirit-filled husband is to have. It is a cleansing love. Look at verse 26. Next verse. That he might sanctify and cleanse her uh, with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she should be holy and without blemish. Now, I'm staying in the context here of the husband and the wife. This is also broader context about the church and Christ's cleansing of the church and the sanctifying and the purification of us as Christians. I'm going to stay in the vein that we're in in marriage, but once again, the word is context. Don't get lost in the context as well, okay? But this speaks secondarily to the role of husbands leading the family spiritually. Leading the family spiritually spiritually of being a spiritual watchdog to keep sin and spiritual harm from invading a marriage or invading a family and let me just say this we need a revival of men of grown men today who are men of the word who are men of this book right here they are strong spiritual leaders we need a revival of men who, who get up every morning and read their Bible. Hey, we need, we don't, And we don't do this for this reason, but we need, a, we need a revival of men that when the kids wake up early and they walk into the room, what are you doing, Dad? You know what our answer needs to be sometimes? Hey, I'm spending time and I'm reading my Bible right now. Hey, when they walk in, you got your eyes closed, you're not sleeping. Uh-oh. No, you're, you're in prayer. If your kids get up early, what are they going to catch you doing? And let's be honest. Struggle for me. First thing I do in the morning, because my phone's my alarm. Check my email. Sometimes. I check to see if somebody responded to the text I sent them before I went to bed. Let's be real. Social media. I check to see, you know, anybody laugh at my... Instagram post, you know, I don't know. Did anybody think that was, did anybody think I was too mean? Man, I was mean this morning. I told people to get up and go to church. That's mean. I was like, get up and go to church and stop being so selfish. I'm sure people, some people like this, some people, it. Hey, it's all good. But I, I can't, I wake up in the morning sometimes, I'll be honest. And that's the first thing I check. Husbands, men, we need a revival of men that will be spiritual, spiritual, leaders, men of the word, men of God's word, men that will stand for righteousness when this world is pushing and shoving evil down the throats of our families, men that will lead their families in the area of of holiness. This is true love. How many of you understand love is not all butterflies and kisses? Sometimes love is I'm going to stand for what is right because me standing for what is right is protecting my wife and my children from what the devil wants to do to them. And I'm going to stand for what's right because I have been called to love my family. And the greatest love I can show them right now is standing up for what's right. And it's not easy. and, and, And your family may not even, your kids especially may not even recognize it sometimes as love. But it's what needs to be done. It's a spiritual love. This is true love. Love is not standing idly by while all hell breaks loose and ruins a family. Love is leading. Love is standing. Love is standing up for righteousness. We need some husbands who will take this God-given role seriously. This sanctifying love. And it obviously begins with this, guys. Get ready. You can't cleanse and sanctify a family until you yourself are cleansed and sanctified and living a holy life. If anybody knows how big of a fake you are, sir, it's the woman that lives with you and the kids that live in your house. And you, some, some of the problem in church world is we got a bunch of dads who like to claim some of these verses in scripture about how they're in charge and you uh, submit to me and your family knows you're a fake. And you can't sanctify a family before you can sanctify a person. And it's time today that we have some men who take it seriously of cleansing themselves and being sanctified and, and cleansing and washing themselves by the water of the word to be holy and without blemish because we are representatives of Jesus Christ who was fully sanctified and fully holy and without sin. Men, it's our role. It's our job, yes, to lead our families in sanctification, but to lead our families as a sanctified man. There's a lot that we can talk about here. I could get on a hobby horse, and i got to get rolling. Man, we may have to come back uh, to this. But we need some husbands who will take this seriously. I'm going to close this morning. There's still some more. I hope I didn't run you off. It's all good. If I did, the Bible ran you off. It'll it'll catch you later. Um, Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, that's what I tell myself. If I run anybody off preaching the Bible, then the Bible will catch up with them sometime down the line. They'll stumble into another church and the pastor will preach the Bible to them and maybe that'll take. That's the way I look at it. Here's the way I'll end this morning and I'm going to come back here next week. I'm not going to hurry. Is that okay? I'm not going to hurry through this book because this book is great and there's, there's truths in here that we need. How can all this work? How can a wife be submissive to a husband who treats her like garbage? It's a good question. How can a husband love a wife who shows him zero respect? It's a good question. Those are, valid. Those are two valid questions. And the answer is, we must view our marriage in light of the gospel. We must see our roles in our marriage as if we are a part of the gospel story. Because you know what? We are. We are. We are the church. We are the bride. We are the wives that are to submit to our bridegroom, Jesus. And if we don't see ourselves in the gospel story, wives, you will never submit properly to your earthly husband if you can't submit properly to your heavenly father. Men, you'll never love like Jesus loves if you... Are not submitting to Jesus as your authority. Well, you can't do it. But here's how this works, practically speaking. What if pie in the sky, what if, because who's the originator of love? God? Okay, so the man? Husbands? What if you loved your wife so much? What if you unselfishly gave of yourself? So much. What if you loved her and demonstrated your love to her over and over again, repeatedly, consistently, to the point where she began respecting you? And she began showing you some biblical submission. You see, when the man, the husband, is concerned about the wife and her well-being, and the wife is concerned about the husband and his well-being, there is this non-vicious cycle. It's a beautiful cycle. It is, I want to meet her needs, she wants to meet my needs. I want to meet her needs, she wants to meet my needs. I want to meet her needs, and she wants to meet my needs. And we almost, if we're going to fight, we fight about, I want to do what you want to do. No, 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 I want to do what you want to do. No, 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 we're going here. No, we're not. We're going, and our fights are like, (laughs) ha 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 ha. Those are great fights, by the way. Hey, we're not talking about sex here this morning. Sorry for the little ears, but if we would apply this principle, I want to meet your needs and you want to meet my needs. Husband wants to meet wife's needs. Wives want to meet husband's needs in a physical relationship. And it's not about getting my needs met. It's about meeting her needs. And for her, it's not about getting her needs met. It's about meeting my needs. Come on. That's like flame emoji, physical intimacy. Okay. We can apply that in a lot of directions. The problem is this. The problem on both ends is when we begin to not do this and not do this, but we begin to, to do this. And we're so selfish. And it's all about us. Wives, it's not all about you. It's about Jesus. Husbands, it's not all about you. It's about Jesus. And within that context of the gospel, husbands are to lead well, lovingly, biblically, but strong. And wives are to lovingly submit to their husbands. We're going to talk a little bit more next week about what that looks like, by the way. A quick preview. Husbands, if you truly love your wives, there's going to be a lot of times when you actually submit to her. Okay? Like, if you truly love her, there's going to be a lot of times when you submit to her. It's your choice. There will be a lot if you truly love her. Anyway, we won't get, we'll get there. It's coming. That's coming next week. Husbands, you're to lead. Lead in love. Lead in spirituality. Ladies, you're to respect and you're to submit. I heard this statement, and I'm, next week I'm also going to bring you some resources, some books that, are, that, are, that speak on these topics that are, that are amazing. Oh, man, did I just go out? Boom. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> he didn't want me to say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> man. We made it all the way. This is number one. There we go. Come on, Bruce. I got your mic, man. It's going to smell like my breath when we're done. I'm just kidding. Man, where was I? Oh, no. Um, I'm going to give you some resources next week, some books and different things um, that can help you out. If some of you like to read in these areas, they're, they're great. And please, if you need help in a marriage, I'm not going to tell you that my wife and I are going to sit down with you and fix all your problems. I will say that we will listen and that we will then try to find you. We are, we are firm believers in here of getting legit, excuse me, legitimate trained counseling when we have issues. And so we will help you locate and find, I promise you. And then we will listen. If that's what you need someone to listen, I promise you, you got two people right here that will sit down with you and listen. Unload the truck, it's fine. But one of the books is called Love and Respect. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. But at the end of the day, wives, let me, I'll just give you this from a husband's viewpoint. Uh, a man would rather, and he may not admit it right now, But if you read that book, you will. Um, A man would rather have you say, I respect you, than have you say, I love you. It's kind of ingrained in a man. He would rather have you say, I respect you, rather than I love you. But women, men, women would much rather hear you say, I love you. Over and over and over and over again. So if I can just give you that practical advice this week, this isn't earth shattering. Men, would you practice over and over and over and over again this week of verbally telling your wife that you love her and then maybe showing her? And then wives, would you figure out ways this week to show your husband that you respect him, even sometimes when he doesn't deserve it? That you respect him? At the end of the day, if you're here today and you're saying, man, you're talking about the relationship of the church with Jesus and all this stuff, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you're here today and that's you, This example is exactly what took place. Jesus Christ came and unselfishly loved me. And I'm a sinner. And if I could list all my sins, we'd be here for another hour or two or four. If I listed you all my sins. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ unselfishly gave. He gave his life on Calvary's cross. And he did that so that us, more individually, me, more individually, you, so that you could be a part of his family. His family. And today I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never come under that love, a love that, yes, a husband will try to replicate that love to his wife, but once again, let's face it, we can never do that, because it's a perfect love. If you've never come under the perfect love of Jesus Christ, if you have never repented of your sin, you've never come to the grips with the fact that nothing you can do no matter how good it is, will ever measure up. If you, if, you understand, if you come to the end of your rope and you understand that you can't give enough money, attend enough church, be nice enough, be funny enough, be cute enough, you can't give to charity enough, you can't donate your time enough, you're still a sinner. If you come to grips with that, all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. But if you'll come to grips with this, the gift of God It's eternal life. It's a gift, so it's free. It's eternal, so it's from now, everlasting, eternal, forever. But it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him alone. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, Jesus said. There's one way to reconciliation with your creator, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's it. And today, if you have never placed your 100 And 10% faith and trust in Jesus and him alone. Maybe you're like, oh Jesus, I know about that head knowledge. And I've I've been to church, I grew up in church. But I've also been trusting in my works. I've also been trusting in this. You know, my goods are outweighing my bads at this point in my life. And so I figured I got a good shot. No, we don't have a good shot. The only shot we got is Jesus. Can I invite you today to submit your life to submit your soul, to submit your eternity to Jesus Christ. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.